0: God, you're the creator who made everything. And nobody was there at the moment you uttered words and things just appeared. Ex nihilo, as they say, but God, you are God. And just as much as nobody was ever there, if evolution was, there, was true, no one saw this process. We believe that this cannot all happen by simply chance. You are the creator. You're the one who orchestrated life and atoms to be just the way they are, to breathe life into us, to give us a conscience, to make us in your image. And so our heart, whether we like you or not, are just screaming to come back home, and some are on this journey to get back to you. And so as we look to you, God, in your word, continue to speak to us and reveal yourself to us as we cry out to you. Help us to recognize that all our hunger and thirst and drives for ambition are the echoes of us longing to have you as our Heavenly Father again. We pray these things in Jesus, who is this bridge who brought us back to you. In his name we pray. Amen. I want to show you a, a picture, not just yet, not just yet, but... It's been always out there, but we only discovered it only about three years ago. And let me show you the picture right now. This is called the Sombrero Galaxy. It is one of the most, arguably the most beautiful galaxy ever, voted by scientists and nerds (laughs) and photographers. They said this is the most, it is 28 million light years away from Earth. You can't get there on one tank of gas. And in this galaxy, can I just, for fun, how many stars do you believe are in that sombrero galaxy? A billion? Stars, suns, stars, stars and suns. How many? I heard a billion, anybody else? A trillion? Whoever's a trillion, you're the closest. 800 billion suns in that one galaxy. And from edge to edge, it is 50,000 light years wide. And the Hubble telescope in 2014 was able to capture that. This incredible, mind-blowing galaxy is one of millions of galaxies out there. It's always been there, but we only saw it three years ago. It's always been there. We only got to see it three years ago. And so I want to talk about this idea. Just because we can't see things right now, it doesn't mean it's not there. Let me put it this way. Just because Jesus and God, it's so hard to see, physically in front of us, it doesn't mean he's not there. And so today, I want to talk about this idea about what does it mean to see Jesus, this resurrected Jesus and things. And I just want to keep that out there just to be in awe that Jesus who we're talking about is the very creator who uttered stars and then things like that up here. I mean, our Jesus is not this little carpenter who's nice and taught lessons, and loved lamb and children. He created that, Amen. and that's who we're worshiping, and that's who we're saying, holy, 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 it's the Lord God Almighty, not this. I'll give you my time. All right, I'll go to church one night. I mean, this is the God who created this, and you see all those white specks? Those are stars and galaxies, and by the way, if you go to uh, Hubble and NASA, they have a super mega picture image that if you could keep cropping in, cropping in, cropping in, you'll see more galaxies. (laughs) It's just mind-blowing. So I want to admit it's hard to see God. It's really hard to see Jesus. Well, if God's here, show me God. And I think the reason why it's hard to see God is because God is not an object like that. Well, to put it more conventionally, he's not like a stand where you take him out of the pocket and be like, oh, here's God. You want to see God? Here you go, kids. Here's God. Like, he's not an object that's a conventional thing that we just carry around and show, oh, here's little Jesus. And there's a song, like, you know, if I had a box, I'll put Jesus in. I'll take him out and go. And then it's like, if I had Satan, I'll put him in. I'll take him out and smash his. It's, like, it's a kid song. It's so violent. So it's, it's this weird song. So, so Jesus is God who created that. And so when we say, I can't see God, if I really saw God, I would give him my life, I would believe in him, and I would surrender. I want to say, man, really? Is that the reason why you're not able to give your life to Jesus? Because you haven't seen him? You sure it's not this control thing, like you want to be in control of your life? You sure that's, that's not it? Because that, that was my issue before I became a follower of Christ. I give up all my control, Lord. I see you. I see the cross. I believe in your resurrection. I see your word. And so so 21st century folks, I want to say something to us. For us civilized, open-minded Christians, seeing and feeling are two different things, right? We have to, for Christians who are like, I believe in God, we have to adjust on something that I just want to, I've been waiting years to say. I think we confuse seeing God with feeling. In other words, let me say this. When you go to worship, have you ever said, I felt God here? Okay, we've all said it. Don't don't feel embarrassed. Don't raise your hand. But I've said, like, oh, God was there. I felt him. And then if you take a step back and you think about that, what is that implying? Like, God's presence is validated by our feelings. So in other words, God's existence or activity is only affirmed by how you feel. Well, let me give you a story to say maybe that may not be the best way to measure God's reality. Picture a boy, true story, who was sold into slavery by his family for money. Picture a boy trafficked into lifelong traffic of slavery. The boy is abused. The boy is just mistreated the boy has a horrible life and i don't think he'll ever say man that was a god thing i feel god he never felt god but this is what he did testify god was with me every step of the way you know who that boy was right joseph he never felt good he never felt like the holy presence is, i really felt the tingles he didn't have to feel he knew that the promises of God is in his word in Joshua 1 and and in Matthew. And for us today, well, he wasn't there at the time, but for us today is that God says to his people, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, whether you feel God or not doesn't mean he's there or not. Today, if you were felt and touched by worship, that just means that God touched you in a miraculous way. He's always been here. He's always been around. He's always been available to the worst of sinners. You can't see him, but it doesn't mean he's not there because you don't feel him either. And so we have to get away from this condition like God was here today. As if like God's like, you know, Thursday, I'll be there for you. <laughs> Saturday, I'm not sure. I got a busy schedule. And so, so Joseph and the Bible throughout, people didn't go by feelings, they went by his promises. And some even saw. So for today, I want to focus on this. Why can't we see Jesus clearly? Why, why can't I just see Jesus? Why can't I just see Jesus, you know, in the dark skin, beard, and cloth, and just hold his hand, and maybe like Thomas, like, can I put my finger in your hands as well? Like, I just want to hug you, Jesus. Like, wh- why don't we see Jesus? And so there's many reasons why, but I like to ask this question instead. What if it's not about mere sight? What if it's not about just seeing Jesus with our eyes, but what if it's he's in front of us, but we simply just don't recognize that Jesus is right here with us? Let me say that one more time. What if it's not that God is playing hide-and-go-seek with you? (laughs) You know, like the poem Footprints? Footprints? When I was walking, I saw two footprints in the hardest days of my life. I saw one, and I went to Jesus. Where were you in the hardest days? It was then, my child, that I was carrying you. Ah, You know, know, that footprint? It's a a good poem. It's a good poem. Uh, Maybe that poem has some truth in it. God doesn't leave us. And, like, I forgot my assignment. Did you have a bad day? My bad. He doesn't leave us. But whether you feel him or not, or you see him or not, it doesn't mean he's not there. Even for non-Christians, he's there. It's crazy. So, but why don't I see him? Maybe it's because we don't recognize him. So here's my proposal. Maybe we don't recognize that Jesus is right here. So where do I get this crazy idea? It was from last Sunday. What was last Sunday? Easter. I get this idea from Easter, and the idea comes from this. Every account of the resurrection of Jesus, I, I never noticed this. I'm, I'm, I'm only 18 years old. I look, that was a joke, guys. Like, like I'm 43, but I'm trying to act young, you know. That was. So every account of the resurrection where Jesus appears, almost every single account there is this weird thread in every single one, and I never saw that. You know what that thread was? No one immediately recognized Jesus on the morning of the resurrection. For me, that's a big deal. When the Jesus comes back from the dead, he's like, hey. No one goes, I've been waiting for you, Jesus. It's you. No one, and one of my, one of my hero pastors, you know, he says, You know, at the tomb, the disciples weren't going 10, 9, (laughs) 8, 7, 6. They were not waiting for the resurrection to happen. Nobody expected him to come back. Nobody saw him and said, that's Jesus. Every single story, I'll share three today. And what I'd like to do is kind of explore the question of what did they miss and how did their eyes get opened? Because maybe that could be helpful to us to recognize, why don't I see Jesus? like they did in the Bible. So here's the first story. Road to Emmaus, Luke 24, 13, 32. Now that same day, two of them, these are not the original 12, just followers of Jesus, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. That's from like here to Cyprus, you know, California. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. What's up? How's it going? Can we read the next line in red? Ready, go. They were kept. The the word in Greek is intentional. They were prevented. They were hindered. They were not allowed. Isn't that weird? There is this, Jesus appears. They're talking about Jesus. They're hanging out the whole night, and they were kept. From seeing Jesus now why would God make us unable to see him and so Jesus was there they just didn't recognize Jesus God was right here here's a second one disciples fishing from today's text John 21 verse 1 through 12 early in the morning Jesus stood on the so let me go back in the story isn't this a funny story though um, this is one of the wackiest resurrection stories all commentators say. Jesus died, rose again. A few days later, Peter's like, I feel like going fishing. So disciples go, let's go. So they go fishing all night, and they catch what? Nothing, and these are professional fishermen. That's like being a carpenter, and I don't know how to use a hammer. Like, like what are you doing? And some commentators say the disciples were trying to, Continue on stuff without Jesus. You can't catch fish. You need him. Anyway, so they speculate. So they're like defeated, sun's rising. And then early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore about 100 yards out, they say. And then can you read the next line in red? Now this one, let's be a little fair. 100 yards out, my vision is twenty twenty, but even 100 yards out, I can't picture your face. So when someone says, hey, friends, have you caught anything? They don't go. What is that? Oh, my ear? Is it my Savior, Jesus Christ? No, they don't do that either. But you have to recognize there's a pattern here. They could not recognize it was Jesus. And so, third, this happened just a little before on the day of Easter. Mary was by the empty tomb. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Why was she crying? Because the body's missing. She didn't expect the body to rise up. She's thinking, who stole my Savior? Who stole my Master? And she's crying and weeping. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this She turned around and saw Jesus standing there, period. Da da Celebration. Hugs. No, there's a sentence there. Can you read the red part, please? Do you see that? And this is just three. Every instance, Jesus is right there. He's like, hi. And they're going what did you do with Jesus? I love, I love the Mary story. I'll talk about it later, but it's like, are you the gardener? <laughs> Can you imagine, like, you're a CEO of a company and you're coming in and then people are like, are you the janitor? You know, they'll be offended. For me, by the way, as a pastor, I'd be honored if they saw me as a janitor. That's, I learned that from my senior pastor. Like, hey, you never, anyway. All right. So, Jesus was right there. Mary couldn't recognize him. So, the inability to recognize Jesus, it wasn't, Because they were blind. Can we just get that out of the way? They did not have poor eyesight. So what else is going on? There is an inability to recognize for whatever reason. So can I just pause there? Could it be possible, I feel like I'm appealing to juries, that God is in your life, active, standing in front of you, and it's not that he's not there but you just simply are not what? If you could see just that and go home bothered, let, I think God's going to do work in you. If you could just recognize Jesus doesn't come up to you and go, hi, but he's there, but we just don't recognize it's him. I think that makes our minds blow out in such a cool way. That God, you're not just simply at church on 10 o'clock Sunday morning during worship. You're when I'm alone? And so this is not just you, but this is the disciples couldn't recognize Jesus, who spent three years eating, drinking, sleeping, and hanging out and doing ministry with him. Now, if the disciples couldn't see him, of course, you and I, may have a harder time recognizing Jesus. So, some, so you know, some people say, I know what happened. Jesus has a different body. He looks different. His, his beard was more massaged, or I don't know, his skin complexion. <laughs> he used moisturizer, found it. I don't, I don't know. We don't know. Is that? So commentators come up with all these things, but they're saying, when it's all said and done, we don't know. And we, we do know is they don't recognize him. So, let's talk about how did they come to recognize Jesus, the fun part. So back to the road to Emmaus. Next slide. So when he was at the table with them, Jesus, so he was invited in to have dinner with them. He told them about the Old Testament and said, you silly fools, did you not know that the Messiah had to suffer all these things as the scripture said since Genesis to now so that the Messiah could be for you? And then he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. What does that remind you of? The last supper. Wow, that's pretty cool, right? Can you read this red part with me? Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Silly Jesus. As soon as they see him he's like, "See ya." You know, it's, anyway. Anyway, but notice the language. Their eyes were opened. Third party. It didn't say they opened their eyes. Their eyes were opened it's a work being done to them then they recognize him bread was broken part of this is that the reason we don't see is because we need something done to us we're too smart for our good in 21st century with internet youtube wikipedia We're too smart. We think we could figure it out. Notice you can't see Jesus by your own discovery. Someone has to open your eyes to see the real resurrected Jesus. And there are two parts to that really quick. Jesus has to unveil himself to you, but there's also a part where you have to hunger and be ready to surrender. I want to see. So go back to the catch of fish, John 21, next. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered, he said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat, you, and you will boat, and you will find some. Why is that? And so, so uh, by the way, I was making fun of this a long time ago, and I was corrected. I was like, okay, the left side of the boat and the right side of the boat, the same water, but then I learned something. I went fishing with Jackson, our youth group student, at his house in a pond, Exact same bait, exact same hook, literally two feet apart, and that punk is catching five fish, I caught none. I, I, it's weird. It's like the exact, I'm like, Jackson, you catch one more, I'm going to throw you in there. <laughs> and the kid is catching fish like left and right, same bait, hook, and I'm like, let's switch. And now he's catching with my, my fishing rod. It's cr- so some people are saying maybe from the shore they saw dirty water and they say, maybe there's a f- school of fish there. Throw it on that side. Regardless, that's not the important point. What's the important point? Can you read the red part with me? The disciple whom Jesus loved recognized that it was Jesus at that point because that happened when Peter was first called, wasn't it? Throw your net on the other side of the boat, and then they caught fish. And what is this? Who are you? We're going to go change the world. (laughs) That was in the movie. Anyway, so there is this idea that in that moment, possibly the disciple whom Jesus loved saw Jesus doing this work and said in his memory bank, oh, my goodness, I saw this before. Where did I see this? It was when God came to me in Jesus, and he called me to be fishers of men. What is that saying? when you recognize God in his ways through his word, through discipline, through spending time with him, praying with him, you start to see that God works in a similar way in your life as you go forward. And you say, this was not a coincidence. This was God. And you start seeing God in your everyday life because what happened in the past doesn't stay in the past. He keeps doing miracles and creating today. Amen? And so there was this actualization and realization that Man, there is something happening here today, and I want to just encourage you with this. By the way, can you can you guys say this? I am weird. No, I'm just kidding. Don't say that. That's, I'll say you're so good. You're so you're so so. I am seriously a miracle. Do you know why you're a miracle? Some mathematician nerd came out with this probability. The probability that you at you are here at this moment. Just give, give me a random probability. One in what? One in a billion. You, you know, I say you're one in a million, Marilyn. You're one in a million. Okay, you ready for this? I'm gonna read this from an article. So, what's the probability of you being born? The chance your ancestors met, the chance your parents met at the right place, the chance that your egg and sperm conceived. This is PG13. It's the probability of the the probability of you being here with the combination of your ancestors and your parents meeting. It's the same probability of 2.5 million people sitting together, it's the size of San Diego, rolling a dice that's trillion-sided. Ready? Just picture a trillion-sided dice. And all 2.5 million people roll on the exact same number, let's say 550 billion, 343 million, 279. The the fact that you in your combination is here, it's a miracle. Not just that your mom was able to give you birth and you survived, it goes deeper than that. Your DNA, your lineage, your probability, you're a miracle. God, who created you and brought you into being, used all of that to be here. Jesus, the miracle worker, is still working miracles. Do you see his handiwork in your life today? Do you see and recognize that Jesus? It is the Lord, as John said. Lastly, third part was this. Mary, in the tomb, John twenty fifteen. 15, he, he asked her, why, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get, get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. Can you read the red part, please? Now this one's pretty clear. At what point did her eyes get open? Her name, when he called out her name. Did you know that uh, national, um, U.S. National Library of Medicine in 2006 studied that your brain triggers and gets excited when you hear the sound of your own name spoken. So they'll be like, Bart, Willem, Billy, James, Jack. And then when they hear like Jason, they go, oh. We're physiologically wired to get excited when we hear our own name. It's a physiological design by God. And that the power of your name, Dale Carnegie wrote a book many years ago, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And this is a famous quote from that book. Remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. And the moment Jesus says to her, I ain't no gardener. (laughs) Mary, she melted and saw that it was Jesus. I want to ask you a question. When you pray, do you ever pray like this? God, I want to hear you, and I want you to speak to me right now. And do you ever pray... that you imagine God's voice to be coming to you saying, Jason, I love you. Jason, I will never leave you. Jason, I have crossed the world to save you. And these three questions, just, just in silence for 10 seconds, put your name in that blank and read it as if God is saying, Open your eyes. I'm right here, and this is what I'm saying to you as he calls out your name. Just keep that up there. I want to say this to you today. I can't see Jesus right in front of me, but could it be that we gotta pray, God, open my eyes that I may see you. Maybe I can't see Jesus today, but could it be, God, let me know you intimately so I could recognize your activity in my life. I can't see Jesus right in front of me right now, but could it be that you have made God this third-party authoritarian figure instead of this intimate father who says, I know your name. You're not mess-up you're not a screw-up you are my son my daughter and I wonder if our eyes recognize that it is God you see the three the things that happened to the disciples was that when they saw the resurrected Savior Jesus Christ their whole life was turned upside down their testimony changed by the way Chuck Colson Uh, He said this, this is why Chuck Colson believes in the resurrection, and we're almost done. I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, and they proclaimed that truth for 40 years. So Chuck Colson says 12 men, you know, probably 11, you know, they testified Jesus died and rose again. Chuck Colson was caught in the scandal called Watergate. Watergate, and this is what he said. They would not have endured that if it wasn't true. Watergate also had 12 of the most powerful men in the world embroiled, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. (laughs) You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. Their testimony changed. Their life was changed. From hiding from the people who killed their master, they went out and said, do what you will. I'm ready to live for Jesus, and I will not deny his name. And their death 10 out of the 12 died as martyrs proclaiming Jesus Christ, the risen King. Why? They saw the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. We can see Jesus today in these ways as we come to him and say, open my eyes, Lord. Would you all stand with me as we sing our final song?